This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. So, nothing really happened this weekend in the civics circus. Maximus, well, I've actually heard some people in media say that. That's why you're here, right? Excelsior! Greetings and salutations, my broadcast partners, my team, my friends. I am Jay Severin. Together we are, and you are the best and brightest, and together we are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 3393 one 888 Again, the number one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. A little more on my opening theme. Ahoy, me oh wait, not that one. Shiver me timbers. Oh wait, not that one. Pieces of eight. Okay, uh, something's wrong with the computer, but we'll get to it. Uh, back to the opening theme, though not that, not those. In uh, just a moment. Headline has to, you know, must take precedence. Headline today, remember the Baltimore riots? Remember justice for Baltimore? Remember the supposed birth of Black Lives Matter? Was that, was, was Baltimore or was it the, the, the other place? Uh wherever the heck that place was. I don't know. I I think Baltimore was first. In any case, you do remember the Baltimore riots. They were on uh, everyone's riot best of real. Yes, I'm I'm being cynical here. Uh, It was a disgrace. It was an American disgrace. The excuses made for it were a disgrace. We said so at the time. You'll remember that the prosecutor in Baltimore came out and said, young people, I hear your cries, your desperate calls for justice and for no justice, no peace. She says this with that piece of human refuse, the racial arsonist Al Sharpton standing next to her uh, using his battle cry. No justice, no peace. And she said, I am your tool. And never were, you know, was a truer characterization uttered. Uh, She is a tool. And she said, I will be your tool 
<clears throat> for peace, for no no justice, no peace, uh, because we are the young people. She said this. She actually used the second person. She said, for, for young people, our time is now. So in one uh, swept dupe, she was able to include herself purely politically and speak of cynically in with the rioters and all the rioters were young. So all of a sudden she cast herself as, you know, one of one of us, one of you, one of them. Our time is now, she said. And this was a left wing hashtag Black Lives Matter political rally every time this woman spoke. I, I never heard anything about the law. I only heard about no justice, no peace. Okay. Having refreshed your recollection more than you want, I mentioned to you today what I regard as good news, and I think the fans owe peace and justice, sorry, not peace, fans owe justice regard as good news, and that is the second uh, the second case in the Freddie Gray matter has been adjudicated. First time, it was a hung jury. Uh, today, this morning, not guilty on all counts. The police officer, not guilty on all counts. And I wondered, as anyone who knows anything, sorry, uh, but it's true. Anybody who wonders anything, certainly within the context of the Civic Circus Maximus, the first thing I wondered was, okay, not guilty of all charges. Is this one of the white guys or one of the black guys? Because as you know, both African-American and Caucasian officers were indicted for this. Uh, wrongly, uh, unjustly, unjustifiably indicted and charged. But today, it was a white police officer who was found not guilty on all charges. One thing that is, because we are all, to some degree, fans of jurisprudence here, fans of the law, even if we're critics of it, uh, and and it's an important, very important footnote here, the police officer involved had the choice, as do all criminal defendants in American courts of law, would would you prefer a trial by jury or a trial by judge, which is called a bench trial? When you believe that the jury pool in your jurisdiction will be drawn from people the ethnicity, demography, political views, values, prejudices, we all have them, uh, 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 of such, doom you to the gas chamber or thereabouts, then you say, well, the darn with that, you know, WTF, what the fudge? No, uh-uh, no, I'll opt for a bench... I want to go with the law here. I'll go with a bench trial 
That and when in a bench trial there is no jury, the judge alone decides the fate of the defendant. If you believe you have law on your side, that's what you do. And sometimes that's what compellingly, you know, for the sake of your hide, that's what you do. Now, of course, there are other questions. <clears throat> Someone sitting in that room with his lawyer would hope to have a lawyer whose first curiosities were which courtroom, which jurisdiction, which judge, and here's the payoff. Is the judge elected or appointed? And, frankly, is the judge Vietnamese or Bolivian? (laughs) Is the judge black or white? There's no getting around this. the, The two most important questions of justice in America, if you were the defendant, to you would be, is the judge elected? And what jurisdiction are we in here? Are we talking about drawing, uh, uh, I'm sorry, are we, are we talking about going to trial within the city limits of Baltimore? Which guarantees that you will have an all minority. Yes, I know that the juxtaposition of those words uh, ought cause a little consternation. But if, if, you're, if you're going, if this guy gets elected, and and your and your jurisdiction is all his voter pool and that's within the city of Baltimore that's a big deal to consider and also for very frankly is the judge black or white and it breaks my heart to have to mention that that ought to be a consideration but if it's your neck on the line and for these police officers utterly wrongly unjustly, unfairly charged, in my view, uh, it's a question one must ask. In closing, uh, I repeat, the a white police officer in Baltimore has been found innocent of all charges uh, in the uh, death of Freddie Gray. And I mention this really not because it interests me nearly as much as the exciting uh, political news I have for you, but because Baltimore, I, I just want you to check your travel plans. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, on the Blaze Radio Network, me mighties, me hearties. one 888 Yes, Jay got a new sound effects machine, 99 cents from his uh, family. He's trying to show it off. one 888 I don't bill the company for this either. For these great sound effects, it would normally take like Steven Spielberg. It would take the, you know, it would take Hollywood studios to produce this kind of stuff. Where can you get stuff like this? Pieces of hate. 
I mean, where you know, where you just think you picked that out of the air? Come on. Uh, all right. Uh, also, another headline. I got two. Let me give you in order uh, of of their impact. I, I just heard via Twitter, weather had dis- has disrupted Rocky's plans to tend to the South Forty today, so he will have time to call in. So, our advent weather disruption. Our advantage. Next headline. The newest poll is one of the recently graded top five most accurate in the last few years. And as we know, it's big because of the names behind it and always is afforded a lot of attention and more respect than it may deserve. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It is what it is what it is. And it is the Washington Post slash ABC News poll. It's one of the big ones. It is always given attention. And what it, what it says is less important than the part of the parade in the Civic Circus Maximus it is. You get me? Probably not, but, but here it is. What the Washington Post ABC News poll which broke in their Sunday edition, of course, yesterday, was that in the presidential matter of Hillary Rotten Clinton versus Donald Trump, Donald Trump is ahead. He's ahead by only two points, which, given the margin of error, means he could be behind by two points. But you know what? If I were telling you right now that Donald Trump were behind by two points, it would be big news because nobody, well, almost nobody, was saying months ago that Donald Trump could, 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 could win and might win in a landslide. But back to my point, uh, original point, I actually had one. Donald Trump winning by two points is very much secondary in terms of the significance than the fact that this is yet the beginning of a third week. Okay? It's the beginning of another week in which a national poll that is so respected that it can't be ignored by the rest of the news media. And therefore, the general news out there, the sense out there is that, oh, my goodness, Trump. And someone said this a while ago. I think it was right here on the Blaze Radio Network. Trump could win. And though there's no indication of a landslide, the big news here is that we're entering our third week with Donald Trump. Let's be generous. Let's say Donald Trump is tied. Because you know what? There is no conceivable doubt as of this moment that Donald Trump for the last two to three weeks, and it's he's and it's not going to change. 
It's not going to change soon. Oh, it's going to change a million times. What I, what I meant to say is it ain't going to change soon. And what I'm telling you is May will end and June will begin. And on Memorial Day, wherever you are, one thing will remain. It's the most sacred day of our year. And on Memorial Day, Donald Trump will be leading Hillary Clinton in the presidential polls. And he will thus have been leading, which no one, well, almost no one, thought possible or said so uh, just weeks ago, right? So what you've got is when we come back and reune after Memorial Day weekend, what you're going to have is Donald Trump at worst tied with Hillary Clinton. The nature and magnitude of sheer panic that this is causing in the Clinton campaign is unprecedented in modern uh, public history. The most important, my friend, well, he used to be my friend, and I, I, I said something not uncharitable, but something kind of a wisecrack about him, and he and he wrote back and said so. But I hope we're still pals. Um, he was my junior uh, at university, but we are schoolmates uh, after a fashion. Uh, Jonathan Carl of the Washington Post, known him for many years. And he has to be my friend because the stories I could tell about him you know, and he about me when we went back for reunion weekends at Vassar. I don't think either one. Of, I, I think the the best thing is that Jonathan Carl and I either have to be friends or have each other killed. So, Jonathan, you know, let's do this the easy way. Let's do this the best way. If you could just tell me your travel schedule for the next couple of weeks. You're planning on flying Egypt Air? Oh, wait, maybe that was too soon. All right, um, Jonathan Carl, uh, greatly talented. Of course he is. He's a fellow Vassar boy. Jonathan Carl, uh, chief political correspondent for ABC News, appeared with uh, we George Stepinopoulos yesterday morning uh, in an attempt to explain or explain away these poll results. And the one thing he lighted on, which is correct and for which – we all ought to credit him, is this. Uh, the internals, what we call the internals of the polling, it's almost never the headline. The headline is always the horse race. Or in a campaign where Hillary Clinton is involved, it's pronounced a, a little more like whore's race. The whore's race questions always lead. But the internal results give you and other professionals insight as to what it actually means and whether it means anything, the headline. Well, here's the internal that you ought to know and uh, swish around on your palate like a fine wine. Two of them, same category. Percentage of... Hillary Clinton voters that will stick with her. 
66%. But this one I like better. The percentage of Bernie voters who, if Bernie isn't in it, will vote for Trump instead, 20%. Jay Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Larry writes, welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network partners. one 888 Larry tweets, could Hillary be the, the uh, mitt of this election cycle? You know, it's her turn. Because it's always been her turn, you know. It was her turn when Obama beat her like a baby seal. And that was the, the thought to be the biggest humiliation. And believe me, normal people might think the humiliation through which her bastard husband put her was her biggest humiliation. No. Oh, no. Uh-uh. She doesn't regard that as her biggest humiliation. The fact that she's not finishing her second term and that you're not demanding a third that you're not rising up to change the Constitution so that she could serve forever, that's her greatest humiliation in in her twisted, fevered mind. And I must say, there is limited value. There is limited satisfaction to any satisfaction you or I derive from schadenfreude. Schadenfreude being the lovely German term for deriving satisfaction from the misfortune or misery of others. There is limited satisfaction, and admittedly, it's not a very Christian response. But in Hillary Clinton's case, I'm going to make an exception. My principal font of joy on election night, if this election turns out the way I think it's going to, won't nearly, nearly remotely be related, not remotely related to the Republican victory as it will be to the sheer, unmitigated joy I will feel at Hillary Clinton's humiliation. Anything that makes her feel bad makes me feel good. 
no, that's not that's not fair. That's not right. I I petitioned the court to withdraw and rephrase. Anything that makes Hillary Clinton feel bad makes me feel great. Not good. Great. And and I honest to God, I say to you, I, I won't. I won't know. I mean, this is going to go up there with marrying my bride and the birth of my children and uh, I, I and, and other things I can't mention. But you, you can only imagine. Uh, I mean, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Look, I, the, Hillary Clinton losing is just for openers my number one being in life. For the last 30 years. It's my reason for living. It's my raison d'etre. I mean. I try to conduct myself as unprofessionally as possible. God knows. But you know. Everyone has a motive. uh, Which oughtn't interfere with their performance. If they perform. But. Not so secretly. Any Clinton humiliation is good for the United States of America. And I am a patriot. And therefore, anything bad for Hillary is good for my country, which makes it good for me and for you. I mean, I want more than, more than I want Britney Spears or, and this is, could I give a higher compliment here, given the range of choice? More than I want Britney Spears, I could go younger uh, morally without any problem, except I I don't know anybody younger. See, I don't know who the movie stars are. I can't tell you right now. So Britney Spears is my best bet, you know, under 40. Britney Spears, and I'd be happy to go under 40. I'd be happy to go under 30. Believe me. If you acquaint me, reacquaint me with the statutory provisions of each state, I could draw you the line where I would go. But, uh, it's kidding, honey. But, I, but uh, Britney Spears or Marie Osmond knocking on my door with, of course, with my child bride's permission. We have to imagine this is her birthday gift to me. Knocking on my door, my hotel room door, with a bottle of vodka, uh, frozen, already cold, a bag of drugs, uh, and and uh, and she's wearing a silk bathrobe uh, at at three a.m. at saying, "Your wife sent me, happy birthday." You've got five hours, to which I would respond, being a reasonable fellow, five hours, I'll only need eleven seconds, but. Next to that occurring, which I don't expect, watching Hillary Clinton on election night, having to go before the cameras, having lost, oh, my good Guga Muga. Oh, 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 do I look forward to that. Oh, in fact, for my nation, given the choice, between the two models I just set up, I would. I would do this for you. I would do this for you. I would I would take the Hillary loss over the visit. 
I would do this for you and my country. All right. Uh, now we get to the actual preparation I've, I've made for the show today, such as they are. Some who you might expect would be better informed will tell you, have told you on radio and television that there was not a lot of political news this weekend, nothing that really mattered. That would be the typical response of people whom you might expect to know more about politics, but then again, consistently, you know, so many people who say so much about politics know appallingly so little. In fact, the Sunday New York Times lead story, if true, and boy, oh boy, is that ever a qualification, right? But if the lead New York Times Sunday story is true, it is and could be not only the biggest, but it could be the most consequential campaign news of this campaign. And it could spell the outcome. Trump, yet again, the New York Times Sunday page one story. The story no candidate ever wants to see in print or otherwise reported. Here it is. Quote, Trump having trouble raising money. Maybe the last headline you expected to see. But we've talked about this for weeks, haven't we? Now, admittedly, I haven't been saying for weeks he's having trouble raising money. What, what we've been discussing for weeks is why is he so sensitive about releasing his tax returns? Well, he, he released a financial disclosure, you say. Yeah, I could do one tomorrow and it could show me with the same net worth uh, if I could afford to pay an accounting firm to do it. Because you could say anything you want in a financial release like that. You're not, it's not under power of law. Your tax returns, while uh, while offering sparing details, they offer some. And in the hands of a forensic accountant, the Trump tax returns could spell a nightmare for him. And the biggest one, it seems to me, I mean, there could be things in there. There could be nothing. Could be nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Could be there are things in there that could cause him some problems. But the biggest thing that could, I'm not saying it is, I'm hoping it's not, but the biggest thing that could be in there, as we've been discussing for, what, a month, is suppose it's the replay of the the, 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 the uh, scene in The Wizard of Oz when Toto pulls back the curtain and reveals that, ignore that man, shh, Whoa, whoa, shh. ignore that man behind the curtain. Shh. I am the great wizard of Oz. I'm really not. It's just me, a pudgy old man. Well, Trump's not a pudgy old man, but that's the modern version of the emperor has no clothes. And if, if, if Trump doesn't have as much money as we think, or not nearly as much as he has told us, that could be a problem PR-wise. 
But you see, it goes way beyond PR-wise because he he really needs a lot of money. Not as much as some people think, but he needs a lot of money to run this race. And it, what the, the essence of this story is not a claim that he doesn't have it, though they're hinting at that, is the New York Times. They're hinting that the emperor has no clothes. Otherwise, they'd say, but in the end, Trump could turn around and write himself a $1 billion check. Now, they're not saying he can't, but that's what they're thinking. Because one way or the other, he's going to need what you and I would call lots and lots of money. And if this Sunday New York Times page one story is revelatory in any way, meaning an inability to raise a lot of money, then he has what we call a problemo hugeo. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. For those of you who have been gracious enough to hold, I must honestly tell you, you must hold further, uh, and I hope you will. And I will promise, without utterance, to get right to you at the beginning of the next segment. But I have to finish this. Trump and money? Who really could this be a problem? This is called a self-fulfilling prophecy story. Remember it well. Challengers, as we'll talk about, I don't know if we'll get to this today, but the, the challenger profile is very different than the incumbent profile. People will always give money to an incumbent no matter how much they think they suck. They'll still give them money because it's an investment. Challengers are always risks. Challenges are the craps table. Now, people give for lots of reasons, but the people who give big money don't give anything. They don't make contributions. They're not sitting there drooling, waving a sign, sitting behind Bernie Sanders like some drooling 18-year-old. These are business people with a bottom line. And they're, they don't give contributions. They make investments. And this time story said that Trump is getting turned down by the people on his Rolodex, the people who can give half a million dollars just like that. Because right now, the new funding scheme is such that you can give half a million, your wife can give half a million, your partner can give half a million, your friend can give half a million. So one call by Donald Trump, I need you and your wife to each give half a million, and I need you to come back to me with 10 friends who can give half a million and tell me what they want. To what countries do they want to be ambassadors? Well, actually, you would because you're the bundler. But this is called a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they almost always are, perhaps with this exception, because of Trump, maybe not. But if there's anything to this story and its aftermath, self-fulfilling generally meaning self-fulfilling, this is the one that could 
this could hurt Trump's chances. And note well, we talked about why Trump's so sensitive, as I mentioned, about releasing his tax returns and why that might be. But if he needs to get liquid, how liquid can Donald Trump get? If he can't raise half a billion dollars from his friends, where does he get it? And crucially, his peers know this, and maybe they're waiting to see it. Maybe for the first time, the people who can give him half a, 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 a billion dollars or half a million dollars like that, other rich people, maybe if it gets out on the political street that Trump has no, no financial liquidity, you know what I mean? There's no way the emperor will be able to purchase any clothing. In that case, he must obviously go it alone. He has to raise near $1 billion cash, liquid, on his own and show the ability to do it soon? How ironic will it be if Donald Trump, of all people, in this campaign, in the end, Hillary campaign wins the presidency because Donald Trump, the billionaire, wasn't. Or he couldn't get enough liquidity to run his campaign. Remember, as heard here among the B&B only, Trump doesn't need as much money as Hillary, and he doesn't need as much as the New York Times says he needs. But he does need a lot of money, a lot more than is in the campaign bank account. The question is, is it in his? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. What kind of week does Hillary Clinton face? That's a fair question. Uh, and we have gone to uh, considerable, though delightful, uh, trouble here to bring you an audio version of what the polls, starting for the third week in a row, now look like, which Hillary Clinton never, ever expected. The audio version of the Hillary versus Trump national election. Oh, what a pity. Oh, it ran out of batteries. What can I give you instead? I know. Very toss. Well, that, you know, is why they call it live radio, and I'm sure Hillary could relate. Uh, Hillary, being someone who travels uh, and relies every day on something that runs on batteries, that would be uh, Uma, who is actually a robot. But we we don't need, you know, to get into that. As promised, uh, if I haven't broken it, Scott from Boston, thank you. Welcome back. What's up, Jay? Thank you. It's nice to talk to you again. Always a pleasure to share the airwaves with you. Thanks Um, for your patience, my friend. Thank you, sir. Um, I have to say, though, listening for the past hour, you definitely brought your comedic, you're wearing your comedic hat today, I can tell. 
I, I well, just, you I know, a lot of, as, uh, a, funny... as a fellow Boston resident, you can appreciate what I say when I say I've got a hat on. Yes, I actually wrote a note down. I'm like, I have to remind them. Uh, opening your last segment, that was a, a great little bit you did there, where you not only showed your disdain for Hillary, but at the same time illustrated your love of Britain. That was very clever. <laughs> hey, if you but had to I go younger, to... if you had to go younger, who would you pick? My favorite. That's what I was going to say next. My the Hollywood actress that gets me every time is Jessica Alba. I think she is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on this planet. The, here's the really good news. You will receive no competition from me. <laughs> okay. Fair, yes, the path fair. is clear, my brother. Right. Absolutely. Go, fi- get, go fire it. Oh, just yes. It, it's one of my favorite talk shows, not political, but that I enjoy. Um, no need to bring his name up. But as he, as he states, when a woman is so hot sometimes, she's so hot it's annoying. That's how he puts. It. <laughs> oh, it's that's well said. It's really annoying. It's really, it's frustrating. It's it's uh, it is. is uh as my dear friend the late Jimi Hendrix might put it. It's a frustrating mess. It is. It's amazing. Oh, um, Jay. Before I give you my political take, I would like to say something real quick. I know. Well, as a listener and a fan of yours for the past fourteen years, um, locally and nationally, and now on the Blaze. I know you are a huge fan. Well, actually, not just a huge fan, an active participant in rock climbing, correct? Uh, the, I can only claim that fairly in the, as days go by in the past tense. But, uh, y- yes, uh, yes. Uh, in, you know, I, I checked that box, yes. I, I can't tell you I was doing it this weekend, but yes. Okay, <laughs> okay fair enough. Um, but I just want to tell you, and like I said, I'll move on after this, but you have to see this video on 60 Minutes. This gentleman's name is a kid. He's probably about 25. His name is Alex Hunold with an H. Oh, I know. Oh, no, he's a god. Oh, the free climber. Oh, I know. I've seen, I um, haven't seen that unless it was a replay, and I have seen it. I've seen everything about Alex that's the, the, the magazines, Outdoor Magazine, Men's Journal, um, you know, and the climbing magazines, which I also get, have, have, have you know, all have featured him for. He's been a star for five, six, seven years now. He's he's a phenomenon. No, he's it. He's no no one's ever existed with the brass balls and the skill that this kid's got. Jay, it's mind blowing. Um, I'm not a rock climbing fan, but I'm a fan of life and interesting stories. And this kid's story is unbelievable. Tonight, when you go home, or you are home, whatever, make a drink and watch this. It's about fifteen minute segment on sixty minutes. Oh, I will. I know. I missed it last night because I'm always watching. uh, I mean, now it's not 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 miss TV for me is when my buddy Doug Schoen is on at uh, seven o'clock on uh, Fox with Harris Faulkner each Sunday night because he's on fire. So I can't afford. And I'm not sophisticated <laughs> enough technically to tape anything else. So, well, no. And by the I, way, this this is three years. This probably was on air four years ago. I'm saying you oh, could you just see, YouTube I, it tonight. I, yeah. I, I probably saw it then. If it was yeah, a repeat, I I saw it. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a he's a skinny kid. He yes, he's, he is. But you know, again, that's to your advantage to be limber. He's all sinewy. He's all he all he is is sinew. And a little, you know, and teeth. 
I mean, he, he's, he's a different. He's, he's cut from a different cloth, no doubt. Yeah, For him no, to be it's on a the different face, breed. Yes, That's at one point breed. on the. At one point, not only is the um, what's the word vertical, meaning the wall is straight up, meaning ninety degree yeah, angle. No, so, uh, no, that's right. he's, he's absolutely vertical. Degrees. Yeah, he's, he's on. He's, he's out there. He's out there in in Yellowstone. He's on the face, and the, he's he's utterly vertical, and he's not uh, roped <laughs> in in any way. He's on El Cap. He's literally he's three thousand feet above the ground, and it's like mm-hmm. a, he's on a blackboard. Wow. Amazing. It blows my mind. I watch it every now and then. I say, geez, you know, wow, some people are really living. Like you said, they cut well, from a different cloth, clearly. You know, I have um I've done a lot I've done a lot of it and, and, and a lot of it I've done in um in Iceland and Colorado, my two favorite locations. And there's a place about half an hour north of Aspen, up the pass near Independence well, half an hour toward Independence Pass, and anyone who's been there knows it. And all of a sudden, I mean, you're you're in a jagged valley. You're looking down on the right-hand side of you, as you're traveling toward the pass. You're looking down these jagged, unbelievable falls that end in the in the uh, river. But up above you, you realize you're actually in a valley yourself. The road is a ribbon cut into wow. a, a valley of jagged. Uh, unbelievable rock and there's a certain place about a half an hour north of aspen i forget what they call it and all of a sudden to your left it takes your breath away you see these little specks on the wall it's a wall like el cap except it's not as consistently flat and it's not as high it's probably 1800 feet uh and you see these specks and all of a sudden the specks start to move and you realize Oh my God! These are persons. <laughs> you know? and, wow! And, and 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 I'm I'm on my way there to climb. That's one of the places I learned with Rufus. Believe it or not, uh, the name of my first uh, professional uh, climbing guide from uh, Aspen Mountain School. And Rufus took me there. And first, we had to do a couple of days of bouldering on boulders before he would take me anywhere, even roped. And it, it, you learn that. You watch these guys, and just by being 40 feet laterally on one side of them or another, you're doing an entirely different climb because you've got handholds and footholds. And the pros and the guys that have the biggest problem moving their legs, you know why they have the biggest problem moving their legs? Probably because they're so strong. They get in the way. They're probably too strong. Because their balls are so big (laughs) is why. you know, to think you know, 40 he, feet to think away, he, you've got handholds and footholds, and 40 feet away from you, there are guys untethered, unprotected, free uh, just climbing. dipping it, into the chalk amazing. bag and going up. And if they slip, they die. That's wow. It. That's Alex in a nutshell, Alex. I don't, yeah. At one point, no, it's that's funny. It. They, Anytime, they a... you, know, you know how it's going to end for Alex. It's going to end honorably, but it's going to end. Mm, yes. Ipso facto, right? It has to. Yeah, you know, unless he is, unless he adds to the, the sublime rarity of the creature he is, Scott, by retiring before he dies. And I don't know if the guys who do that, and girls too, a lot of the top rock climbers are girls. Um, I don't know if, you know, it's in them to quit. I don't know. I just don't know if it's in them to say, 
I, I, I'm not, that's it. I'm not going to do that anymore. I had to pretty much stop because I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and, and that's different. That's, that's a rather easier decision. Um, especially that's after 60. a couple of falls and operations, you, right. <laughs> if you have Absolutely. a family, you, you kind of reach that decision by committee. Um, but I right, look, we have to break. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we talked about this first. I'd much rather talk about this in politics, but I'm not sure that we hold the majority view. So if you would be kind enough to hold just a couple minutes longer, we will get back to Scott's original motive. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. With you, my partners on the Blaze Radio Network, 1 888 Just so you know, uh, Jenny tweeted me a, a, a very sweet message saying that, you know, Jay, G, you're brave for doing this. And I wrote back to her, No, I'm not. I, I had to force myself up on that rock every single time. I was afraid all the time. But that's why I only fell and didn't die. Because, and the reason that I, aside from talent, lacking it, that is, the reason that I can't do the things that you see these uh, other people do is that I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. Period. Period. Full stop. That's it. No excuses. Just don't have the talent. But I think they have something in them that is like afraid, but not really afraid so that enables them to do to swing that pitch when they're you know untethered and they're underneath the lip of an of an outcropping and they hang on with their fingertips and swing their bodies back and forth and back and forth and flip over the top of an outcropping and get a toe hold no one's watching no one's filming they miss it all they do is just fall and it's like the uh, wily coyote. All you hear is poof at the end with a little, little puff of smoke, dead. And I have, I have in the, uh, in the parlance and the actual occasion, the first climber since the earthquake two years ago in the Himalayas. The first Everest climber died last night. The first Everest climber who died, who has died on Everest, and was the first one to die since the earthquakes, died last night. Uh, I don't know whether it was in an attempt to summit or on the way down. Chances are on the way down. Uh, one out of uh, four people <clears throat> who die will die on the way down. No, I'm sorry. No, no, that's not right. No, I've got them mixed up. Uh, one out of four people who try to climb K2 will die, <clears throat> period. Of those who die on Everest, uh, I know the percentages are, are infinitely higher for those who die coming down than going up, but I, I mixed up that stat. Scott, 
you'd better save me here. Or, or, you know, I can see like a gas pump with the numbers going in the reverse direction. I could see our listeners just dropping, dropping, dropping. No, no, they're not. They're actually, Jay, they're actually turning their volume up. It's all good. And uh, and I'm going to (laughs) move right on to politics very quickly. But in closing, yes, they're cut from a different cloth. And um, the correspondent asked Alex, they said, don't you feel like you have a death wish? And his response, I believe, this certainly is not verbatim. I'm paraphrasing at best. He said, I'm sure he said something like, it's a life-enhancing life thing. Yes, he says he enjoys what he's doing. He's like almost looked at her. I forget her name. She has like a London accent. She's from England. One of those oh, 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 yeah. She's beautiful. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, You know uh, who I'm talking about. I know, I know exactly who you mean. She was the one who was assaulted during the uh, by yes. the Muslim Brotherhood in the Egyptian yes. Square there. Wow! Um, yes, Kristen, yeah. something is that possible? I think I'm, I'm no, going out there. I'm uh, the it, uh, but it'll it'll come to me. But 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 okay. I'm glad you mentioned her. Yes. So just closing that out, um, I believe his response was basically like he almost looked at her like, "What do you mean by that? I'm going to die." He right. goes, "I'm going to continue to do it while I enjoy it." He goes, "I'm going to stop, not out of fear of death." But just out of time to move on, I'm done with it. Yeah. But, I, 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 okay, right. I'll add one thing quickly. I, I mostly climbed with my uh, best friend who, and it usually works out that way because you have to rely on them. And he would tell you that I saved his life twice. And I would agree with him. I did. That's just because I was blessed with that opportunity. The other thing I would mention is that we were alternately and together climbing in uh, both times in Iceland when he was afraid to go on, he like grabbed my shoulder and said, I, I don't know what to do. I've got to wait. I can't, I can't go wow. on. And I real. did the same thing. And for each other, both times we said, no, look, no, look, you put your hand here, breathe, put your hand here, put your foot here. You can do this. You can, don't be silly. You can do this. And it's funny to have a good friend who is there to talk you through it got me through two circumstances in which I would certainly easily have fallen to my death. That's the beauty of rock climbing. That's part of the, you know how that feels when you sit down at 10 o'clock and they bring you fresh fish and a bottle of vodka. (laughs) You're alive. Yes. And that's what it is. In my opinion, with rock climbing, there's something it's like a microcosm of life. It's challenging yourself. It's facing your fears. It's well. It's so much cool missing from that. what we do now. You know. Yeah. I mean, what did I do today? My, my biggest risk. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you. My child bride was in here editing the show for me, and uh, oh, uh, well, she didn't cut she, me she, out. Did I just hit the? She, uh, she tells. She wants me to tell the story. Of the time we did a a uh, we did a thirty miler, uh, which was more of a trek. That there were some parts that were dangerous, but mostly it was a trek, and it was thirty miles over an interior section of Iceland, um, over glaciers, over different things. But it was a single day, not an expedition climb, nothing technical. We weren't carrying anything, um, and 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 at the end of the day, we came back and looked like prison camp survivors. I mean, you know, like that movie. I've seen it on HBO or something. The guy that uh, 
that got captured and they beat the snot out of him for seven years. He was in the prisoner camp. The Japanese beat him. Everyone beat him. They beat him. They beat him. They starved him. They beat him. And he came back. That's how we felt, you know, at the end of 11 hours. And they, they, the guides took us back to the hotel in Reykjavik. And when we walked in and we looked, we looked like we were dead. I mean, we were covered with, you know, I mean, we looked like we yeah. were dead. The court looked like no, nobody on any of these zombie shows looked more like a zombie than we looked. We were bleeding. We were muddy. We were, our clothing was torn. We had tape around what we thought were broken fingers and, and we were limping <laughs> and we walked into the hotel and we were staying both of us on the eighth floor and we walked in and there was a sign on the elevator, elevator broken. Oh no. And the, and the, and the staff of the hotel who knew us, because we were there a lot. It's an easy weekend trip. It's a beautiful thing. I said, anyway, the staff were like hiding behind eaves and different things in the lobby. And our guides, who were great friends, were, were waiting. And we looked at the sign and we both had the same reaction. We fell down. I think I may have actually wept and, mm-hmm. and, and like slumped down uh, on the floor. And they all burst out laughing and took the sign off. The elevator wasn't broken. It was just to... <laughs> It was yeah. just to break our marbles after, sure. a, you know, one more kick, one more kick in the ribs while you're down. One more kick in the ribs yes. while you're down, yeah. basically. All right, All right I'm Scott. Bring up the we, keyword, Trump. Now we've oh, done no, it again. We, we've burnt another segment, but I love it. I mean, if we're going to do the Scott and Jay show, uh, we might as well finish out. So, uh, Doctor, how much time have we? Ten seconds, Scott. It's your decision. If you're not here when we come back in six seconds, well, back to another minute or so, people will understand why and they'll never blame you. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. The Jay Severin Outdoor Show uh, will be doing the best way out of a bad lie under the lip uh, bunker shot in our next segment, (laughs) in the golf segment. But but before we get to bunker shots, uh, oh, by the way, I, I thought you were chiming in, Dr., I'm getting a one second, a half second delay here, which is, you know, generally what I hear when I walk around alone, but there are drugs for that and I can't take them for the show. So uh, Skip, can you fix that? I'm hearing a half second delay in everything I say. It's uh, repeating on me. Skip. Hello. Good, good. That's good news. Scott, welcome back. This this is our last chance. Okay, yes. I promise I'm moving right to politics. Although no, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? It's a conversation that is interesting, and I bet the vast majority of our listening audience enjoyed it almost as much as we did. Um, well, I hope but I do so. Like, I hope so. I like what you said, Jay Severn Outdoors. That's an interesting title for your show. That's pretty funny. All right, let's talk. Tomorrow will be the fly fishing show. That's awesome. 
All right, here's the T word. This will get everybody tuning back in, right? Trump. Okay, here we go. Let's Which, go Scott, I happen to know. I know you, and I know that you've been fishing for flies, uh, <laughs> bar flies. So uh, uh, tomorrow is yeah. our fishing for bar fly uh-huh. segment, Jay. and Scott will be our will be our Jay, expert Jay, guide. Jay, Jay, you're sharper than you think. As soon as I'm, I hang up with you, I'm heading to the local bar. Absolutely, <laughs> have, have 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 a couple of beers and watch some NHL hockey. Well, you today. see. Scott's devotion to the show knows no bounds. In his personal time, he's going to devote it to us to prepare for tomorrow's segment by going down to the local pub and, and fly fishing. Jay, uh, before I proceed briefly here, uh, let me thank you again for sharing the air with me. This has clearly been a very nice, generous segment um, from you, and I thank you for that. Hey, you um, I would like... Thank you. I would like your opinion on this. This is what I'm... What, this is what I think about before I fall asleep at night. What do you think of Trump playing the political game? And by that meaning, he's already leaned way right. He got all the conservative vote, very right-leaning. Can you feel well, him coming back to the center? I don't know about that. Okay. I don't know about that. <clears throat> but go ahead. Well, now he's, I just see him going back He's leaned righter than he has been, you know, in recent years. But, but he, you know, the conservatives are still not comfortable with him. I, I contest the notion that Trump has moved considerably to the right. I still think he's a gamble. He's totally a gamble. He moved to the right. He, he has won the primary. Well done. Now he's moving to the center to get the independent. He actually hasn't. But where is the real Trump? Would the real Trump please stand up? Who is he? Well, you know, that's, that's it. What can... That's it. My, my, you have to have you, especially someone like you, you must have a bumper sticker. My bumper sticker, which I've repeated, you know, the secondary bumper sticker, which would, no Hillary. would need a long bumper, is longer than the short one, which is no dem. Okay, but the mm-hmm. longer one is Donald. Tr- I prefer Donald Trump to Hillary Clinton. Why? How? Because Trump is a considered, calculated, comparative risk of perhaps deep disappointment versus an absolute guarantee of Marxism and ruin. Yes. Wow. And my thing with this, the people who say Trump is a wild card, this is, this is a conversation piece I share often with my friends. Some of them are just liberals and ignoramuses and I try to save them, but they're too stupid. Ignoramus. Oh, oh, wow. Really? Well said. (laughs) That's plural. I did not know that. I literally (laughs) learned something new every day talking and listening to you. (laughs) My friends are ignoramus. But the ones that are still um, malleable and made of clay. Although, if you repeat that to them, your friend will be an ignoramus because you'll have only one. Now we can identify exactly. But what? uh, But with uh, excuse me, let me rephrase here. I get my head together. Okay. So, a lot of my friends that are in the middle, so to speak, there. This is their calling card. They say Trump is a wildcat. Trump. And I tell them, I say, well, Hillary is a disaster who's going through point three justices. They're going to ruin this country and make your child's life worse than it ought to be. Um, But this is what I say about Trump. I defend him in this sense. I would have rather Ted Cruz myself, Jay. I I believe in a staunch constitutionalist, no doubt. But now now that we have Trump, this is what I say to fellow independents. And I share this with you and your listening audience. This is how you win them over. You tell them. Trump isn't going to be a dictator. He's going to hold the office of president. He's going to have an amazing cabinet. The Constitution still has checks and balances. 
People act like Trump's going to get in there and go, let's nuke China. Like, come on. He's not going <laughs> to – how out of line can he get? He's not going to get out of line. It's checks and balances, and he's going to have an amazing cabinet, and he's got a little bit of the Constitution in his back pocket. So I don't think he's as dangerous as independents fear he is. And I think he should be able to get more of the independent vote. And I think it ought to be accompanied by the corresponding uh, and equally compelling fact that Hillary Clinton – isn't going to be a dictator. She's only going to be only going to be a third of that. She's going to be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I really can't believe where where is that? uh, The soundbite again of someone screaming, you know, Hillary for president. Where is it? Hit it. There it is. That's right. Oh, anybody but Hillary. Anyone. Hey, this country. I I had a new one, too. I don't know what I did with it. It's a guy screaming, which is really good, but I can't find it. Uh, I'll find it by tomorrow, but anyway. Jay, is it possible that uh, this is accurate? I see on the news that the next president may appoint up to four justices, or is that yes. grossly exaggerated? No, no. It's, 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 you know, we're going here by the actuarial tables, and you never know. I mean, what, 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 what they do when they calculate that is to essentially calculate what is the average number of years that justices have served. And then that's sort of one template they use to overlie the actuarial tables. How long do people live? And so, you you know, what's the average number of years that a justice appointed in her or his 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s has served? And then how old is X, Y, and Z? And... What kind of health are they in? It's no and retiring. And, and retiring is, is will a... be a secret till the last minute. It's mostly a secret what the health of the Supreme Court is. And um, uh, Justice Ginsburg, for instance, is not a healthy woman. And she's also mentally, mentally dirt. or physically. Mental, no, yeah, no, she's physically not well, and yeah. and she's older than rocks, you know. So I mean, there's she's presumably one of the replacements that the next president will name. But you never know; it could be zero, it, it could be four, it could be five. You don't. Well, know, we know but, it's at least one. But Jay, we know it's at least one. That's a fact. At least who, one. And who right? would that be? Who would that I'm be? I'm saying there's at least. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Uh, at least I, one. Yes, but, meaning, but the yes. smart and, money. I, the smart money is on two to three at a minimum, and and that pretty much guides the court for the next hundred years, and, and that's it, no fooling. That guides our future. That guides our families. This is very serious. Yeah. People don't realize yeah. how yeah. huge this election is. No, if you have don't. Hillary appointing, oh, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir to you, but people in the audience listening, well, this is what you know makes what this election do? huge. Don't, don't speak. Don't do a little homework, my my mate. Don't Don't use... generalities, uh, as I do when I tweet this stuff out, I I name the next Supreme Court Justice, Michelle Obama. Oh, God. (laughs) Help us. Take your breath away enough? Yeah, I mean... Well, let anybody make an argument that Hillary Clinton would not, as a payoff... But, Jay, she has zero judicial experience. Could she really just appoint someone like that? She, Michelle Obama has zero judiciary. Excuse my English what if I'm wrong here. Matter? What does well, that matter? It's well, that, politics. That's actually, 
Well, that's actually the downside then. Like the the founding fathers were that brilliant where it's a lifetime appointee, so they're not they're not swayed by opinion. They're just interpreting the Constitution and babysitting yeah, yeah. the states, like, basically. Like, like most so, things that have decayed before us. And now we live mm. in the age of twerking. And what twerking is <laughs> jurisprudentially is you appoint your buddies. You pay off. Oh. You Supreme Court appointments is payoffs. And and if Hillary Clinton is elected, Michelle Obama is going to be on the Supreme Court. Or Barack wow. Obama, if he wants it, is going to be Chief Justice. Or... Any numbers of appalling communists on the faculty of Harvard or Yale law schools or sitting federal judges right now who have more in common with Bill Ayers than they do with you. People out marching for Black Lives Matter right now, today, can next week be sitting Supreme Court justices. It's all a matter of the politics of who's doing the appointing. Scott, okay, what do you think said, of John Roberts? I must thank you, like you for the most enjoyable oh. segments I have had recently, uh, although my boss may say differently. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners. Jay Severin here, one 3393 Let me correct this screen. Bad screen. Okay, good. Uh, every Sunday night on Fox at 7 o'clock, Harris Faulkner has the, <clears throat> I don't know, a show, and she has a segment called The Political Pros, I think, and that's the second half of the show. But it's a good show, but the second half of the show is unbelievable because it has Doug Schoen. And he's the smartest political mind in America. And I thought I'd give you the highlights in case you didn't see him last night. Doug said, and Doug, if you've not heard this before, Doug Schoen and I, this is by way of uh, not only being a braggart, but but, but full full disclosure here, uh, which I owe you. And that is uh, Doug Schoen and I are as close as two heterosexual men can be. We have shared season hockey tickets. Uh, for many years, so that that's it. You can't. You, if you're closer than that, you're gay and you're living together and wearing each other's underwear. Okay, we're not, but it's it's. I, I admit it would be the next step. YMCA. Uh, Doug was on Fox last night, and he said, among other things, the race is essentially tied. This is a race that no one thought would be competitive. Two or three months ago, not, not to mention six months ago, uh, though not everyone said that. And Doug says the race is tied. The Republicans are steadily combining and consolidating behind Trump because they realize that any other move is suicide, politically suicidal for the party and probably for themselves. And that, you know what, they can probably live with Trump now. I don't expect that to be an inducement to you or me. The fact that rhino establishment Republicans feel they can live with Trump, that's no endorsement. To me, that's like, you know, let me throw up in my mouth a little bit. I don't, I can't live with them. 
So I don't, you know, Trump hasn't said anything yet, but anyway, that's what they're betting. They're betting that they can live with Trump. I'm hoping they're wrong. I hope he chops heads off when he gets there, if he get if he gets there. Pat Cadell, probably the best Democrat pollsters, said last night that it's almost unavoidable that right now what he sees is that polls are weighted, uh, not weight like Hillary Clinton, weight like, you know, well, it is, you would spell it that way. They're weighted. You know, that is to say the polls that are being taken by the big national pollsters are assuming, you see, there's no such thing as a neutral poll because you have to create an algorithm for it. So, when I would, when I would in the old days, be in partnership with Doug Schoen or somebody else, we'd sit down and we'd say, okay, how do we weight this poll? You know, and I'd say, well, wait, you tell me, you know, you're the expert. How many, and by, by that he would mean of 100% of people responding to the poll, how many ought be Democrats, how many ought be Republicans, how many ought be independents, how many ought be libertarians, how many ought be, you know, no party leaning Republican, how many ought be no party leaning Democrat. That's what makes a good pollster. You have to wait this thing. It's like baking a cake. You have to wait this thing so that the results you get don't give you something stupid or worse, give you something you want, but which is stupid. You need to know. I mean, this is it. Nobody, you know, no, you'd never want a pollster that lies to you to make you feel good because it's going to make you feel awful. So the good ones don't and never have lied. But Pat Goodell, who is a brilliant pollster, he was brilliant. He did Jimmy Carter's polling. He won that campaign for Jimmy Carter. He was uh, 22 years old and a student at Harvard when he did it. By the way, Doug was making about $2 million a year when he was a sophomore or junior at Harvard uh, doing uh, the polling for David Garth, my mentor. Uh, Yes, there's a pattern forming here. In any case, Pat Goodell says the way their polls are weighted right now, Donald Trump's lead in this race is much bigger than is being reported. And again, this is one of the two or three most skilled and informed national pollsters, international pollsters in the world. He says, the way these polls are constructed, I can look at them and tell you that Donald Trump's lead is much bigger than it's being reported. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.